0: Just ahead on Encouragement for You, Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A talks about encouragement, and Christian therapist Brad Fairchild discusses the subject of hope.
1: Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in
0: an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free.
1: As you can tell by the name of this podcast, encouragement is what we're about. And on the first segment of this episode, Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A and a special guest join host Don Hawkins to discuss encouragement.
0: The first person who joins Dan and me is Tracy Sims, a longtime friend of the Kathy family.
3: Tracy is uh, did a church plant, he's here, and Tracy is one of these young men who came from a a broken home, um, uh, just a just not a good home situation. That my dad just seems over the over his lifetime has always been drawn to young men who needed encouragement, who came from a maybe a, a negative thinking, bad home situation. Hmm. And so uh, we just are so thankful for Tracy's life and for the opportunity and the influence that he's had on our life as well. And so Tracy, we're delighted to have you here with us. Yes. And uh, he's
0: pastoring a church here. And uh, you've planted this church. Uh, tell me what is the biggest challenge about starting a new church. It seems to me that there's a lot in common with starting a new church and getting an airplane off the ground.
4: That's a good um, analogy because it is. It takes a lot of um momentum at the beginning to get this thing going but then it takes a whole lot to keep it going and ultimately we we're relying upon the holy spirit for all of that because we believe that god ordained us to start this work to reach those that were not being reached we jokingly tell everyone that we take the other churches rejects um Uh you know we we have a statement that our church is different on purpose it's our desire to reach out to those that just don't fit in um literally those that are on the outcast, those who have had a bad experience with church or those who come from situations similar to my own because um, there's so many out there that would judge us and say, well, you must have had a perfect life because you're a pastor or you're a businessman or whatever your profession is. And people assume that because your life seems like it's in order now that it must have always been that way. But what they don't know is what God has done to bring you to the point where you are. You know, in high school, I've never dreamed of being a pastor. I was um, very shy and backwards and um, never really wanted to be in front of anybody um, to speak. But that's where God calls you. He calls those things that um, are not as though they were. And um, he gives you the strength to do what you feel you're incapable of so that he gets the glory. And um, and that that's what I see. So that's the joy for me and the joy in seeing lives change through the power of the gospel um, to see broken homes restored to see people without hope find hope and purpose and meaning and yeah. you know uh, to see young people who um, will travel 40 50 minutes just to come to a, a new church where we don't have a whole lot to offer but to say this is where I find hope and this is where I find my meaning and purpose in life and we have seen so many great things and our church um, as as a start is unlike a lot we never had a sponsor church we we weren't a mega church start or anything like that. We were just a group of people that got together and said, "We want to begin a new work," and um, and that's what we've done without a sponsoring church, without mm-hmm. any su- support from outside.
0: But you've had support from the Lord, right? Oh,
4: absolutely. We've <laughs> had the support from the Lord, and um, and and that's been the exciting thing because again, when we step back, there's no one person can take credit for this work or for anything that's happened other than the Lord, and yeah. so that's all you need in in life, not just as a pastor or as a person working in business, or teachers, or, or soldiers, or whatever your calling in life is, all of us have to depend on the Lord as our calling. And, um, and and I believe that one of my primary roles as a pastor is to equip other Christians to do the service of the Lord, to do the ministry. It's not my job to do it all, and um, and that's what we're trying to do is reach those and, and train them up and and equip them to serve the Lord through ministry. And, um, mm. and and through these years I've been blessed with some wonderful godly people that have helped me, that have steered me in the right mm. way. And coming from a, a, a situation where um, I lived in 12 foster homes and a children's home and being able to meet someone such as Truett Kathy and to, yeah. to be taken into his family um, has opened up so many opportunities for me yeah. Um to be where I am today. And and, I, and this June, I'll celebrate 18 years of marriage, and I had three wonderful kids. Yeah. And, and that says a lot, considering the family that I didn't have growing up. And, well, and I just give God the glory yeah. of how he used the Kathys, and true Kathy in particular, to, to enrich my life and bless me in the ways that he has.
0: Boy, Tracy, you've covered a lot of ground and done so wonderfully. And you brought up a concept that I think is so important, and that is this concept of equipping uh, there's so much in Scripture about equipping. Uh, the word that's found in Ephesians 4 and the passage that you quoted about equipping the saints so that they can do the work of ministry uh, is a word that could be used of mending nets. It was used of uh, Peter, for example, and Andrew and James and John mending uh, their nets. It was used of setting a broken bone, a physician like Luke. It was used for outfitting a ship like Paul would sail on mm-hmm. and was used in a variety of ways. And and I think that uh, it's a unique pastoral function uh, to be able to equip folks to do that work of ministry. Dan, that brings up another important observation, and that is that even though your calling is to be the president of Chick-fil-A and Tracy's calling is to be the pastor of his church, uh, both of you are called into full-time ministry, right? Well,
3: that's, that's the only kind of ministry there is. I mean, when we invite Christ into our life, it's not a part-time occupation. It's it's a full-time in morning, noon, and night. No matter where we are, God wants to use us. We're on mission, and and God wants to use us. I have another friend I want to let uh, say hi to you. Who's a young man who, who's discovered that uh, God wants to work in his life. In fact, he's here by nothing short of a miracle that's here that's here with us, Mr. Ron Caudell. Ron's here with us, and I wanted him to have the opportunity of just saying hi and and I, and just asking Ron if you would just to share just real quickly. What happened in your life here back in November? You and your couple of other boys were up there in the mountains and uh, trying to get back on a Sunday morning to come to church after being up all night for maybe two nights to vet a part of it, hiking in the woods. And tell us what happened
2: that Sunday morning. Well, um, we were, like you said, we were on our way to uh, church. We had gotten up really, really early, around 2 o'clock, driving back through some North Georgia we weren't really familiar with, but um, my buddy... They'll sleep at the wheel, and uh, we went off a ditch, went about uh, football yards width, yes. and we landed in at an embankment. And the way the truck turned, I landed on my side on the wheel well,
5: mm. and
2: it really caused internal bleeding. Uh, they ended up having to life flight me to Erlanger Hospital in Chattanooga. Uh, they had four surgeries dealing with my lung. I lost a third of it. I lost all of my spleen. Uh, they had a hole in my lung. They had to repair that. Take some gunk off of it. Uh, it's it like one thing after another. I had pneumonia, uh, ulcers in my stomach, and I ended up spending 25 days in the hospital. But what I, I really didn't like that experience when I was there, but getting out of the hospital, I started to learn why God had sent me through that ordeal. Um, it was not fun in any way, but I learned so much from it, uh, such as, you know, God puts good people. In bad situations for reasons. I'm yeah. not saying I'm a good person, but I went through a bad time, and I learned so much about God. I got closer to God. I saw other people get closer to God Yeah. In because of my situation that he allowed me to go through. I was just a vessel for him to allow him to show his awesome power. He was able to affect hundreds and hundreds of people that I never knew, and I still... Get people come up to me and say, "Oh, you're Ryan. You're the guy who's in the hospital forever. Um, I pray for you so much. I I want to thank you. You know, and just how are you doing?" And and I don't know these people. Uh, It's it's one after another. It seems like they keep coming up a couple months afterwards. And Mm, wow, just so cool to see how much God was able to affect people, even though I was going through a hard time. And I kind of see the correlation between now and the economic times that we've got now. It's a bad situation on the face of it. But I think after we come through and after it's all over and done with, we'll be better people for him.
3: There's, you know, there's no, a lot of yeah. lot of listeners, Don, you know, that have heard Tracy's story about the home situation he came in, we see, you know, twenty, thirty years later how God worked through that to build him and to mm-hmm. prepare him for the yeah. work he's got now. No telling what God's got in store for Ryan and the experiences he's been through. Uh, myself I went through a fire as you know, I've often yes. told that with the listeners here. So, uh you know, God's in His intended purpose is the relationship that he wants to have with all of us. Whatever it takes is that relationship, and and he can work through those hard times to build a closer, more intimate relationship. I hope that our nation, that we're going to be more prayerful, more dependent, and acknowledge that there is a God in heaven that loves us all and wants to give us wisdom and direction and purpose and meaning for
0: our life. Probably a 100% of us have been affected to some degree or another or know somebody who's been affected by the adversity in our country. And, Dan, a passage of Scripture has come to mind as we've uh, talked with Tracy and with uh, Ryan, particularly about their situations and thinking about your adversity. Job 23.10, where Job, in the middle of all of his trouble and his adversity, uh, literally rises to the surface and says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Uh, That verse indicates that Job finally realized that God had a gracious purpose in the testing in his life, that God was behind it, and that God's intention was good. And uh, the adversity that Tracy went through, uh, the accident that Ryan went through, uh, obviously uh, even the the terrible uh, burn situation that you faced, all of those were used by God to bring strength.
1: We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show, Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the theworshipchannel.org. According to therapist Brad Fairchild, depression and anxiety often indicate a loss of hope. Brad talks about hope with host Don Hawkins on this upcoming segment.
0: Brad, before we get into issues and why people feel hopeless, uh, let's uh, talk about what hope is. Uh, We use the word hope In uh, maybe a a different way in our typical conversation than what we use, what the Bible uses. We we talk about hope like I hope that uh, we'll be able to have a good year, and I hope I'll be able to make my mortgage payments, but I'm not absolutely sure that I will. I hope that I'll stay healthy, but I might get sick. Um, That's a different concept than biblical hope, isn't it?
5: Yeah, and I just I love this concept. I'm glad you brought that up because yes, we throw around that word hope so uh, loose, and it's like it's just some small thing, and maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I sure hope so, and and that's exactly right. When the Bible says hope, I mean you can you can put your life on the line for it.
0: Take it it to the bank.
5: That concept, it's done deal. It's not a matter of of, uh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. You know, when, Mm -hmm. when the Bible says our hope is in Christ, we have a hope for eternal life it's not just well i hope i get to heaven i hope i go to heaven it's i know i'm going to heaven yeah. and, and if you're listening you don't feel like you have that kind of confidence wow we really want to encourage you to listen to today and uh, work that out with the lord get yeah. uh, you know get pastors get friends get people to help you with that because that is there available for us in christ
0: Brad the verse I think of when I think of hope is 2 Corinthians 4:14. 4, it's a bit of an obscure verse but it says it so well. Paul there says knowing that he who raised up Christ Jesus will raise us up and present us together with you. And there're two components to biblical hope, an absolute certainty about the future an absolute assurance uh, that we will have a great future with the Lord based on the absolute certainty of the past, and that is of his resurrection. You put those two things together, you've got a strong hope that serves as an anchor of the soul, don't you? Good stuff. That's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, why uh, we may not feel hope. And we're going to challenge some inaccurate thinking with the Word of God. And so, friend, we are glad that you have joined us One of the reasons, Brad, that I've seen uh, people feeling hopeless is the presence of uh, strife and conflict. And I think this is probably true uh, virtually any time. Strife and conflict can can lead us to feelings of hopelessness, especially when uh, things have played out in a conflicting and strife-filled manner in the past. Uh, we feel like, uh, well, there's no way that that's ever going to change. There's going to continue to be that kind of conflict, that kind of strife. Uh, do you see that in your counseling practice a lot?
5: You know, in the inpatient hospital setting, uh, we look at stressors a lot, and we talk in, in terms of what is stressful in a person's life and how that contributes to our problems. And, and strife itself, strife, and I guess yeah. probably, Don, we ought to stop and really define uh, strife. Yeah. Uh, we're really just simply talking about when we say strife. I think of strife as a biblical word, and sometimes people are like, well, what do you mean strife? It's kind of an old English word, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And strife is, to me, just conflict between people and and who anybody it can be work yep. it can be your boss it can be a coworker it can be a subordinate at work it can be family it can be friends neighbors uh, mm. but when there is problems and conflict with people uh, that by definition is strife and so strife being one of the number one stressors yep. that brings people into counseling that brings people into uh, the hospital. And and very, mm. uh, well, I, I, I wouldn't go as far to say always, but yeah, probably I would say always, mm. at least strife with people has some to do with it. But yeah. oftentimes it is the primary cause for someone yeah. to come to a place where uh, they're depressed, suicidal to the point of needing help.
0: Yeah. As we've talked about strife and conflict in families, uh, there is a passage selected for us to talk about uh, from the book of Genesis that talks about this issue. Uh, tell us about this passage. Uh, set this up for us.
5: Well, you know, this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, Abraham and Lot, and they were uh, increasing in, in numbers, both with people and herds, and they were out together, and the herdsmen begin to quarrel. And and Abraham in Genesis thirteen eight came to Lot and said, "Let there be no strife between us, hmm. between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren." And I just—it's like we're family. This was yeah. his uh, his nephew, and and then he said to Lot, he said, "You know, look up, look around." They went up on a hill, and, and he said, "Look around." And, and there's leadership in this. In Abraham, there's there's love, there's sincerity, there's genuineness. He said, "Look around." He said, "You take." Wherever you go, I'll go the other way. Let's separate ourselves so we can continue to have peace, which you know, sometimes we have to do that to have peace. Let's separate ourselves, and whichever way you choose, I'll choose the other way. Well, Lot was younger and selfish, and he chose the beautiful, green, lush land, and that left Abraham with the desert. And so Abraham was like, okay, and it doesn't doesn't say that he complained at all, and he went, and just a few verses later... God took him out at night and said, look up and count the stars if you can. And he said, of course you can't. He said, that is the number of descendants I'm going to give you. I'm going to bless you. And I just thought, wow, how beautiful that that is. And that heart in Abraham and what a leader he was. And part of that, for for application to us, can we be a leader in bringing about Hmm. peace in our families and in our home? Yes, we can, with God's help, with God's direction.
0: And uh, Romans uh, chapter 12 has a great statement that goes along with this. It says, if it be possible, as much as life in you. Live peaceably with all men. There are times that you simply cannot do anything to head off the strife. The other person is just bound and determined they're going to produce conflict. And what you need to do then is set that boundary and move out of the picture. And that may be difficult. That may be painful. But that may be the solution. Third observation, the leader needs to be the peacemaker. Abraham was the leader, mm-hmm. the family patriarch. And sometimes those of us who are older, more mature, tend to revert back to childhood at those family <laughs> gatherings. <laughs> uh, yep. And uh, we we need to we need to not do that. Let's go to the phones. Joe is listening in Mobile, Alabama. Joe, welcome to the program.
5: Hey, how are you all doing?
0: Fine. Good to hear from good.
5: you. Um I work in a ministry in my church. I work in the bus ministry where I'm a bus captain.
0: Uh-huh.
5: And um Predominantly, we go into some of the worst areas of the towns that we live in, and we take up children whose parents, you know, want or refuse to bring them to church, and you know, we'll take them to church and you know, Sunday school and everything like that. And I've really kind of given my life over to this, and it's you know become something that I've really felt called to do. And I notice over the past couple of years that I've been doing this that the situations that some of these kids live in get worse and worse and worse, with you know the broken homes, the alcohol consumption, drug abuse. Domestic violence, whatever have you. Yeah. It just—I mean, I just feel there, there's just so much weighing down on me, yeah. and so much, and only so little I feel like I can do.
0: Boy, Joe, I am so glad that you called us, and I know uh, that for many of us, this is an incredibly difficult time because we see those stresses of people around us. We want to reach out to every one of us, Brad. You might talk about this whole issue of the limits that uh, it seems like uh, to me, at least, that Joe's running up against.
5: Well, Joe, I call. Uh, People like you in the trenches, which is just beautiful, man. Uh, You're out there, you're in those neighborhoods, you're ministering to those kids. and, And when I say ministering to, you might think, well, I don't do much. Well, you smile at them, you encourage them, you pray for them, you tell them Jesus loves you, you take them to church. Man, that's huge, and that can be life changing. Those are the kinds of things that people get in their 20s and 30s, and they survive and live and turn to Jesus or turn back to Jesus because of somebody like you. That smiled at him was kind to him, warm, and and that he, they know you're a Christian, and they're te- and you're telling them that Jesus loves them. So you're doing probably way more than you really realize. But also that balance of understanding, I can only do what I can do, and I can't make people change. I can't change people, but I can uh, minister to them. You know, Jesus with the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler rejected Jesus, turned away. Yeah, yeah. and I, I mean, I'm and he he did nothing. I think he was saddened. But it says, and he turned and continued to speak with his disciples. And so there's that reality of, but we wouldn't look at Jesus and say, well, he's a failure. Well, he failed in that. In that in that. He did not convert that person, at least not right then. Maybe later, we don't know. Yeah. So he did what he could do. Some rejected, some accepted. He moved on. Uh, but but taking care of ourselves as ones who are in the trenches ministering to hurting people is a vital part of it because, see, you don't want to 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now, not be able to, yeah. to, to stomach ministering to people because you let it get to you. So there's that whole take care of you, uh, strengthen yourself, yeah. turn it over to the Lord, pray for those kids, do what you can. And let the Lord take care of the rest. And that's hard. I know it's hard because I've done it. I'm, yeah. I'm there. <laughs> it's <Yeah. laughs> very
0: difficult
5: to walk that and live that. Yeah.
0: But that's what we got to do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's a verse that goes along with that. And I think, uh, Joe, for you, this would be a great verse. Uh, waiting on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And that definition for waiting on the Lord that I like to use is doing everything that God has instructed and empowered me to do. And leaving everything else up to God and the other people involved.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and LifeAudio.com Editing by Phil Gebers Production by Elizabeth Andrade If you enjoyed what you heard today we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review It really does help people find us
0: Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You If you go to LifeAudio.com you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.
1: Stay encouraged and join us next time for encouragement for you.